Again, it's a privilege to be here with each of you today, and thank you for your kindness to my son and myself. And Russell, would you stand up, please? This is my son. And I just want to warn you guys, this is what happens when you don't give him coffee. Um, I, look at me. So I just encourage you to, this is not from scripture, okay? But I'd encourage you to start your kids off on the bottle with coffee. I think that's probably a good thing because you don't want to get too tall. Um, Lord laid a strange passage on my heart, but I think we should read this first. Um, read Psalm 103. Let's look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, we read that there were two things that David was especially appreciative of. See if you can figure out what two things that they are. I'm going to read Psalm 103, 1 through 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all this within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He makes known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. May God bless the word to our heart. I'd like you to really think about that for a little bit. We're going to talk about Israel and God's relationship to Israel primarily. I'm so grateful that the same God that Israel served is the God that we serve. I am so grateful that there's some things God can't do. You know there's some things God can't do? He can't tell a lie. He can't fail, right? He can't sin. Can he? I'm so glad, aren't you? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we have a merciful, gracious God and a God who is both just and merciful. Let's pray. Dear Father, for a few moments as we look at your word together, you apply it to our heart and life. Dear Father, if there's anything standing between us and a blessing from your word right now, we give it to you. Father, we, we just ask the Holy Spirit may have free reign today. Take these lips and heart and speak the heart of every person here today. Father, we all need encouragement. Father, maybe some of us need a real challenge. Lord, maybe some of us even aren't saved. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, we pray that today they may come to know you as Savior for sure. 
Oh God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity of gathering together. May we truly provoke each other to love and good works, encourage, exhort one another. And Lord, you open your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you looked at the history of Israel and the relationship with God, and you looked at the book of Judges, where every man did what was right in their own eyes, and looked at the book of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, you'd say they definitely had a checkered history. And look at the prophets. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. And yet God loved them. God really loved him. He said, I didn't love you because you were great. You're the least of all nations. I just loved you simply because I loved you. I did what I did because I simply loved you. You guys, um, this fellow right here is kind of handsome today. I think so. Anyway, well, I'm not prejudiced, of course. But I can remember when he was a baby. Did you ever have a baby and they wear the part of their hair off? Do you ever see babies? You know, someone ever show you a baby? I, I discovered that it's not good to say anything bad about a baby, no matter what they look like. You're always supposed to say, and you know, how can you be truthful? Because sometimes you look, they're firstborn, they're kind of red and wrinkly sometimes, and they, you know what they look like. Anyway, I heard of one poor fellow, and he didn't know what to say. When he saw a baby, he, he felt he couldn't tell a lie. And the mom was just saying, oh, look at this precious little baby. You know, and and a, an older pastor said, what you should say is simply, my, that is a baby. <laughs> and so he, he couldn't wait. Next opportunity, his mama held this wrinkled red thing out to him, and he said, my, is that a baby? <laughs> <laughs> but God puts a love in a mother's heart for that baby. God has a love for you, and you, and you, and you. And you know, I thought he was the cutest thing. I remember when he was all red, and I saw another baby, and I said, my son's prettier than him, because my son was red, and that other kid wasn't red. And then I looked at some pictures later on when he had the hair kind of worn off one side of his head a little bit, and I couldn't believe that I thought he was so cute back then. And I realized I just loved him. And I still love him. And God loves you. God told Israel in, in Jeremiah 31.3, he said, I loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting love. An agape love. Not the eros love, a boyfriend, girlfriend. Not the phileo love, just which is that of a brotherly love but the agape love, that love that is total without any hope of any of return. It just, it's just a total giving type of love. God loves you. And at great cost to himself, he made it possible for you to live with him forever. Wow. And that's what David is so thankful for. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And what did he list at first? <laughs> who what? Forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. 
Did you know there's not a doctor on earth that can cure you? Anybody have any? Don't raise your hand. Anybody have anything wrong with them? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> Do you ever go to a doctor and say, here I am, cure me? They can't cure you. I went to a doctor, and I had some wonderful doctors when I was a kid, um, Christian men actually, and I go over and say, here I am, fix me. And so I went to a doctor downstate in Grand Rapids. I, I used to trust doctors and God and policemen, not in that order. And after I was in Grand Rapids for a while, I still trust God. But I went to him, here I am, fix me. I hurt my hand in an industrial accident, and he fixed me. Here it is. Now, it's fixed. Kind of fixed so it can't be fixed. Not quite the way I wanted to be. God's the one that has to heal you. And God is the one that has to heal you inside, too. Take care of your sins. And David was so grateful. He was so grateful. He said, God's the one that heals my iniquities. And when you think of what we commonly say, sin. Sin is missing the mark. And transgression is violating the law. And iniquities are something twisted. Satan takes anything good that God has and tends to twist it. And he said, Lord, for my life it's all twisted. <laughs> I mess things up. I'm glad you forgive me. He really loved God. And he recognized the fact that when God forgave him, his forgiveness was absolutely total. You ever hear someone say, I forgive you, but I'm never going to forget? You ever hear someone say that? You know, God says there's sins and iniquities I remember no more. How can God do that? He can't forget, can he? <laughs> no. But he will never bring them up again to you. Why? Because they're separated from you as far as the east is from the west. Hey? How far is that? Make an estimate. How many miles? Forever. You can go east for forever and you never go west. You can go west forever, you never go east. You can go north. 12,000 miles, and you come to the North Pole. <laughs> Go south, and 12,000 miles, you hit the South Pole. But east and west are separated for infinity. And God said, I will never bring your sins up again. They're as inaccessible as the deepest sea. As far as I know, the deepest sea is about seven miles deep. Can any of you guys, any of you guys dive? I'm not a very good swimmer. I swim like a rock. I go down, but I don't necessarily come back up again. But some divers can go, well, I guess, pretty deep. But not 7,000 7, miles deep. I mean, excuse me, not 7,000 feet deep. Did I say miles? I'm going to say feet. <laughs> 7,000 feet deep, the Marianas Trench. Not that deep. That's inaccessible. God will never bring them up to himself or to you or to anybody else. You know, you've truly forgiven when you're not bringing things up about that person to somebody else, and you're not bringing things up about that person to yourself either. God forgives us, absolutely, totally. And not only does he forgive us, but he understands our weakness. I love this. Verse 14. Like as a father, for 13 and 14, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. 
Any of you guys have um, pictures your kids or grandkids drew on your refrigerator? Do you? How, how, how much do you think they'd go for if you went to sell them on a... <laughs> no? I, you know, I've had some pictures drawn on me by kids who liked me. I would hate it if I really looked like those pictures. Here, standing on the end, right? They're not beautiful pictures. They're only precious because the kid drew them, right? They're precious because of who drew them. Your service to God is precious because you do it, and you're doing it out of love. What happens if you're very good at what you do in serving God, but you don't love Him? What if you forget who you're serving? We're not here to serve the pastor. I mean, yeah, we're supposed to esteem him highly for the work's sake, but we're here to serve God, right? Turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 2. Excuse me. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. We're Revelation chapter 2. Here you have the churches are listed. Revelation 2 and 3. And I think this is the kind of a neat church. But somehow God didn't think so. Revelation chapter 2, you read this, number 1, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know their works. I know they works. And thy labor. And thy patience. And all thence thou canst not bear them which are evil. And hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and has found them liars. That sounds like a good kind of church to go to, doesn't it? A church where people are working together. A church where they, they know what a false prophet is and they won't accept him in their midst. A church where they won't tolerate evil. Don't be like the church at Corinth. <laughs> that sounds like a great church. Verse 3. And as born and as patience, and for name, my name's sake, has labored and has not fainted. For God's sake, they have served Patiently, under difficult circumstances. What's verse 4 say? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast, what? Left thy first loved. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove the candlestick out of place, except thou repent. But thou hast, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans, which you also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. It's all like a great church. But they sort of forgot the most important thing of all. 
You guys, I was married to Linda for a lot of years. Um, and I really loved her. I, all my heart. I still love her. And um, I like buying her f- flowers. I, I buy her roses. And the neat thing about roses, they're cheaper today than they were when I first bought them for her, which is a long, long time ago. Back then, it was like $55 for a dozen roses. I can get them today for 20 for a dozen, easily, at Walmart. Sometimes even less. And I'd like to buy her roses. And every now and then, I said to her, I said, once a year, I'm going to take you out to a motel. No matter what, we're going to go once a year. I'm going to spend time with you. Forget everything else, we're going to spend time together. And so, let's say that... um, I took her out to the motel, it was that once a year time, and I bought her a bunch of roses, and I had a card, and I had chocolate, which she just loved dark chocolate. I don't know why women love dark chocolate, but they think it's one of the food groups, don't they? <laughs> anyway, and, and I had all that set for her, and I had her the special music she really loved, and she said, oh, Ted, this is so wonderful. I can't believe you do this for me. And I said to her, don't thank me. That's what husbands do. I have to do that. That's my duty. I'm supposed to give you flowers. And, and, and I promised I'd take you out once a, once a year to a motel. How would she respond to that, do you think? Pretty good? No. No. <laughs> God wants you to love him with a whole heart. Why don't you serve him with a whole heart? Do you think God would have been capable of making robots out of us? Could God have done that? He could have, right? He wanted us to love him and serve him just because we loved him. And that's what God wanted from his people. That's what God wants from you and me. To serve him just because we love him. Yep, there's three things that motivate us. According to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5, verse 14. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, right? And we're also motivated by the reward, mentioned there too. But also because of love. The love of God constrains us. Yeah, because of love. God wants us to serve him out of love. Israel did not do that. They did not do that. As a whole, Israel did not serve him. So, what do you think God did? How long is everlasting, anybody? Forever? You know, sometimes our love is like this fellow who said, I love you with all my heart. I never let anything stop me from seeing you. He said, you mean so much to me. You mean to me more than life itself. I'll see you Friday if it doesn't rain. (laughs) Is that the way it is with God? Do we serve God just when it's easy? No. We should serve him anyway, even when it costs us something, right? Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, what? And follow me. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like you to turn, please, 
Can you trust me? God says to Israel, you're not that far away from it. Turn please to Jeremiah 31.3. I've been saying that God said, I love you in everlasting love, but you need to see that. Jeremiah 31.3. So this... Uh, for context, let's read the first verse. At the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword fallen grace in the wilderness, even Israel, and I went to cause him to rest. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, loving kindness have I drawn thee. Yeah. You're pretty close to it. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29. God loved Israel and God said, and we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 38, excuse me, 28, He said, if you serve me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you your fruit in due season. I am going to uh, give you rain. Uh, You'll have have peace from your enemies. Um, One of you can chase 10, 10 of you can chase 100. He said, I'm really going to bless you. But if you turn your back on me, I love you enough to bring you back to myself. That's what he said. And he said, ultimately... If you turn your back on me, I'm going to send you to captivity. You're going to be scattered among the nations. He said, but, and I'm going to send you into 70 years captivity in Babylon if you turn your back on me. But here's what he said. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after seven years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and shall find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. And I will be fond of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again to this place where I caused you to be carried away captive. Yeah. You guys, have, has God's people, the Jew, have they gone through anything tough? Yeah, they have. Been scattered all over. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that the largest Jewish city, or I should say the Jewish city, with the, the, the city with the largest number of Jews is actually New York City. They're scattered all over, scattered all over the world. And they've suffered terribly. That's because they turned their back on God. But God still loves them. He still does. 
When you see what's happening, you wonder, what's going to happen? Will all these Arab nations turn against Israel and wipe them all? Is that ever going to happen? Uh-uh. How do you know? Because God loves his people. God loves his church, but God loves his people, the Jews, and God made a promise to them. And God's going to fulfill the promise. Turn two places. Turn, please, to, first of all, to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. The Apostle Paul had said, My greatest desire is to see my people come to God. He said, I'd be willing to be accursed if my people would come to God. I love them that much. Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles because God's people, the Jews, turned their back on him. But God said God still loves his people. Chapter 11 says, Has God, verse 1, Has God cast away his people? God forbid. For also an Israelite of the, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. He didn't cast them away. Verse 5, even so, then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Dropping on down. Verse 13, for I speak unto you Gentiles, insomuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation, in other words, envy, them which are my flesh, in other words, the Jews, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Dropping on down verse 20. Well then, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but hear. For if God spared not the natural branches... Take heed, lest he also spare not thee. You feel really special to God? I do. <laughs> you are special to God. But you need to walk with God. God is going to deal with his people, the Jews, and bring them back to himself. Verse 26. So all Israel shall be saved, as is written... There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, who shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sin. As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. As touching election, they're beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are what? Without repentance. Verse 29. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all unbelief, that he might, what? Have mercy on them all. And then he, he ends up with a doxology. <laughs> all the depths. Of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has first given him and should be recompensed in him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Paul is saying, look, I don't understand it all. <laughs> I know this. God is going to bring his people to himself. They're going to come back to him. Because God still loves them. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't forget. So how's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? There were some awful things done in Israel. Just terrible, terrible, terrible things done. The, the Hamas, you can't believe how barbaric they were. I won't even tell you some things they did. It's awful. Imagine the worst that was done. They were as brutal as they possibly could be. Uh-huh. So what's the result of that? Well, Israel's going after the Hamas. Well, you know the other result? We have some missionaries we're aware of in Israel. They said the amazing thing is that the Israelis are listening now when we share the gospel with them. They weren't before. They're really listening. During tough times, we tend to look up, don't we? Can God bring good from this? Yep. So, do you think that all the nations will gang up on Israel? Maybe. Think they're going to wipe Israel out? No? The way we determine truth, do we raise our hands and vote? No. <laughs> Look at this book right here, the Bible, right? What does the Bible say? Turn please to Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel's one of the major prophets. It's Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and then you get into the minor prophets. Ezekiel 38. Verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in all sorts of armor, even in a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia. What's Persia? Iran, right? Ethiopia. Actually, that's not the same Ethiopia as today. That'd be Sudan. And Libya. You know where Libya is? Another Muslim nation, right? With them, all of them shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, and the house of Togamash of the north quarters, and of all the bands, and many people with thee. And thou, be thou prepared, and prepare thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be a guard unto them. After many days, there shall be visit in the latter years, thou shalt come in the land that is brought back from the sword, and has gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, and thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, 
and many people with thee. It says they'll think an evil thought. They said, let's, let's wipe, let's, let's get their, get their spoil. Turn to chapter 39. What does God say he's going to do? Chapter 39, verse 1. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, and chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and leave but a sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Stop for a moment. What are these nations talking about? North is talking about the extreme north. North, you go from Jerusalem. Probably talking about Russia, led by Russia. And these nations that are mentioned, they're from parts of Turkey and from Tur- former Soviet Union republics that were, that were Muslim. And they're going to come against Israel. And ultimately, God's going to fight for Israel. And you know when God fights, he doesn't fight fair, does he? He can do anything, right? How does he fight? Let's read this, chapter 39. God says, verse 3, I will smite the bow out of thy left hand, and will cause the arrows to fall to the right hand. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send, what? Fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. In other words, they think they're safe. And they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of people, is Israel. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, it has come, it is done, saith the Lord God, the day where I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the, and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Yeah. And they'll bury them, <laughs> they'll be burying the dead for many months. Okay, you guys, is that what's going to happen right now? I gave a good solid answer. I don't know. I don't know. Is this what I'm really looking forward to? No. <laughs> I'd like to see Russia get, his, get whipped. That'd be kind of neat. But you know what I'm really looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Lord Jesus Christ coming again. I don't know exactly when this is going to take place. I believe somewhere near the beginning of the tribulation period. But I don't absolutely know. But I do know that one day the Bible says, <laughs> Lord Himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are raised first. And we which are alive remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Right? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. God says that. That's going to happen. Oh, and that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
52. Behold, we shall not all sleep or die. We shall all be changed. In the moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Guys, how fast is the twinkle of an eye? Didn't say a wink, did it? That's a wink. Is that fast? A twinkle. Do you ever do you have anybody that teases you? My wife used to tease me. She just got great joy out of it. I'd, she'd tease me and I'd tickle her. Okay? And when she was starting to tease me, she'd get a little sparkle in her eye. That's a twinkle. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be so fast, it's faster, that's the fastest thing you could think of. Faster than I can snap my finger or wink. A twinkle of an eye. I want to be ready, don't you? What do you want to be doing when Jesus returns? Kicking or yelling at your dog? Or your wife or your husband? No. <laughs> I want to be doing something that pleases God. Hey? I want to be ready. The Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, Behold, a manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, so we should be called the children of God. Wherefore the world knows us not, for knows him not. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear what you shall be. But you know, when he shall appear, you'll be like him. You'll see him as he is. What does that mean? That means, praise God, one day you're going to be perfect in character like Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, Every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Wow. One day, my sister will be perfect. Wouldn't it be nice? I didn't enjoy her very much when I was a kid. She was pretty bossy. But you know, I get to heaven, she'll be perfect. <laughs> you know what's even better yet? So will I be. Okay? When Jesus returns, we're going to be perfect. Not just our bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 says, This corruption was put on incorruption, this mortal immortality. When this corruptible was put on incorruption, this mortal should put on immortality. Then she be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah. These bodies are dying. I heard they start dying the moment you're born. Do you ever shed some dead skin? Or if you're a guy like me, you shed dead hair? Hey? Yeah. But one day we'll have a perfect body, but better yet, a perfect heart. I look forward to that. I want to be ready. You know what else? I don't want to be afraid. I had a friend, a Christian friend, and he said he doesn't watch the news anymore. And I said, how come? You know what he told me? It's bad for my blood pressure. Well... I can understand why looking at the news could be bad for your blood pressure because it looks like the world is falling apart. But guess what? Our awesome, almighty God has a plan. And he only lets things go so far. And one day he's going to come back. He is going to set things right. And during this time known as Jacob's trouble, according to the book of Jeremiah, we oftentimes call it the tribulation period, the great tribulation. He is going to send all sorts of awful plagues upon the earth. And during that time, a total of half the world's population will die. A remnant will be saved. God will deal with these wicked nations, these wicked people on earth. 
And in the end, there'll be no more sin. Do you know why? There won't be any more sinners. Do you know why? They'll either be dead or they will be saints. God delights in changing sinners into saints. Any of you, can any of you think of anything bad you've done? When I was two years old, my mom used to compare me to Ahab. That's not a good comparison, is it? He was a king, right? She said, you, still, you said, you always want your own wicked way. I thought it was one word. I was only two. My own wicked way, one word, right? You know what happens when you want your own wicked way? God's not happy. He's not. And Ahab won his own wicked way, and so did Jezebel. Remember what they did? They, had, they got Naboth stoned so they could take his vineyard. What happened to Jezebel? Remember the dogs ate her? Except for the palms of her hand, the soles of her feet. What happened to Ahab? The dogs licked up his blood. You better repent, young man. <laughs> Praise God, I did. God took a stubborn youper, I guess. I don't know what you want to call me. A stubborn sinner. Saved me and really changed me. He's not done yet. But he has begun a good work in you, Philippians 1.6. We'll perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to give up until you're perfect in character like Jesus. And one day, his church will be completed. And Jesus returning. Jesus has taken us home. And he'll pour out his wrath upon the earth. And he'll draw his people to himself. He will deal with sin. I can't share everything about the future and about Israel. I know God made a promise to Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman would one day defeat the serpent. And Jesus did. Jesus came in the first advent. And I know, this, and I know that he promised Abraham. He said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And these shall the nation of the earth be, be blessed. He confirmed that. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 15. He said, I'll make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. With an everlasting blessing, give you this land as an everlasting land. And God keeps his word. So take courage. You don't need to be afraid. You've read the end of the book. And this book is truth. If you ever look at the news on TV, you look at the news and wonder what really happened. Do you ever do that? I do. But this is truth. That's something, a foundation, a firm foundation we can stand on. We can trust God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little bit of time in your word. Lord, I just ask there be anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. Lord, may they come to know you as Savior. Lord, if there's anybody here today that's living in fear, wondering what's going to happen in the future, may they realize that you've got a plan. Lord, you planned a salvation before the foundation of the world. That's what you said in your word. And Lord, thank you that one day we'll be perfect like Jesus and we'll be in the perfect home with you forevermore. In the meantime, help us to live by faith. 
not fear. Trusting you day by day. Help us to live in a life in such a manner that people are drawn to yourself. We'll give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. With every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe there's someone here today is saying, Pastor Ted, I'm living in fear right now. Pray for me. If that's the case, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Just look up at me. And I'll pray for you. Maybe there's someone here and you're saying, Pastor Ted, I'm not sure I'm even saved. I know the Bible says, a decent written that you may know you have eternal life, but I'm not sure and I want to be sure. Look up at me and afterwards, I'll talk to you. Dear Father, thank you for every heart, every person here. Oh God, may you live a life that honors and pleases you in all things. Help us live in faith, not in fear. Because we'll love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Dick.